and I also want to welcome those who are worshipping with us through LiveGate Outreach TV and uh, podcasts on iTunes and Buzzsprout. I want to say God bless you. Thank you for being there and thank you for the encouragement all the time. The Lord increase you in Jesus' name. I'm not quite sure you were able to see this banner last week. Uh, it was my fault. I did something technical. But um, I uh, put it up now, and you can see the topics that we're looking at on this series, Developing the Mind of Christ. Developing the Mind of Christ. The singular purpose for which we are converted is to have the mind of Christ. God raised us up, set us free, so that we can have the mind of his only begotten son. And uh, the Bible says we have that mind, but we have to develop it. It said we have to allow it, because we come with a natural mind, and we have to allow ourselves through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, to continue to enjoy growth in this mind of Christ. So last week we looked at creative image or in his image as our theme. And today we are looking at a topic I called overcoming the stronghold of reputation. Overcoming the stronghold of reputation. Of course, in the banner it just says no reputation. And um, I want to explain that because the word reputation is a very good thing. So how can it be a stronghold? And um, when we talk about reputation, we are usually referring to beliefs or opinions that people hold about you. So if people know you to be a good man, a godly man, they will say you have a good reputation in the community. And um, I used to say, you know, many years ago when we were uh, in, in secondary school and uh, we used to have clubs and societies, and uh, they, they, they used to have officials. Somebody would be president, secretary, treasurer, and things like that. And I used to remember, it was so popular then, that by when they vote for everybody else, when they were to choose the person who will handle the money, they went for the Christian, even unbelievers. They will point out the Christian among them. They will say, that brother, let him be our treasurer. <laughs> because they know that he will not steal their money. Hallelujah. And that was good reputation, of course. Uh, a lot of things have happened since then, and these days they still vote Christians as well. But it was such a very good testimony then that I remember growing up, it was like a, a de facto, that people singled out Christians for things that had to do with trust, things that had to do with where integrity is expected. So it is good to have a good reputation, and the reputation of a Christian to be good and tops is a non-negotiable. That we develop a good reputation and we have a good character and we have integrity is non-negotiable. So we must understand the balance of what the Bible says when he said Jesus made himself of no reputation, as we'll soon see in Scripture. So our number one priority as Christians is to represent Christ very well on this earth. Have you ever been a bit ashamed of yourself when people have to say, and you call yourself a Christian? I, I don't like hearing it. I, by the grace of God, I haven't heard that in a very long time. But the truth is, it is not something a Christian should allow himself to be told. Because standards are expected of Christians. Standards are expected of us as Christians, people who represent this Christ. So we must understand that because Jesus, our, our, we, we, last week when we started the series, we talked about he was in the image of God. And the Bible says we have his mind. That simply means that his kindness, his love, his simplicity, his humility, his life of honor and dignity must also be ours. We should strive to be those things by the enablement of the fruit of the Spirit. 
So this is very important for us. The Bible makes us to understand that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. He said the salt is worthless when it has lost its saltiness. And it's the same thing. Every, every woman or everyone who cooks here would know that when you put salt in your food, you're expecting it to affect the taste a little. And when it doesn't do that, you get very, very frustrated. You put a little bit more, a little bit more. Then you find that actually this salt is expired or it's, it's, it's not really salt. And then you don't really use it anymore. That is how the Bible, the Word of God, expects us to be a people who are of influence in the positive, bringing sweetness to our world, bringing a kind of uh, uh, a joy to our communities and our environments. So we all need to find ourselves as people. First Peter chapter 1 verse 14 said, as obedient children, we must see ourselves as people who will want to serve God. First Peter 1 14, it says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lost as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also. Verse 15 now, thank you very much. Verse 15, it said, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Please look at your neighbor for me and say, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Don't be holy only in church. Tell them, tell them. Don't be holy only in church. Don't be holy only on a Sunday. Be holy in all your conduct. Is that the Bible? It said, be holy in all your conduct. Why? Verse 16. It said, because it is written. Someone say, it is written. That is, it is commanded. The word, it is written, is simply saying, it is commanded. When Jesus said to Satan, it is written, he took charge. When he said, it is written, he took charge. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So it is commanded that we be holy. Holiness is not having a pious look. Holiness is not dressing in a particular way. Holiness is not speaking in a particular language. Somebody said, some people now pray, and instead of saying God, they say guard. <laughs> in the process of wanting to be holy, oh guard. <laughs> Who is guard? Somebody said, if you are praying to guard, your prayer may be going to your security guard, you see. <laughs> instead of going to God. <laughs> <laughs> I had a chuckle on that. You, you need to understand that it's none of those things. It is just simply living like Christ. God is holy, and he says we have to be holy. Then he gave us Jesus Christ, that as we receive him, as we believe him, as we receive him, we take on his life, we take on his mind, and then we live in that holy walk, that holy walk that demonstrates his integrity, that holy word that demonstrates his love, that holy walk that demonstrates his forgiveness. He looked at that woman caught in adultery, red-handed, no doubt, somebody that should be condemned by the law. He said, neither do I condemn you. So if we condemn others, we are not holy. If we are quick to judge, we are not holy. Holiness is a holistic lifestyle that demands, places a demand on us to live just like Jesus lived. But he said, go and sin no more. And so we must understand that this is what God is expecting from us. Friends, people evaluate the worthiness of our message 
by the amount of reputation that they can attach to our lives. Many of us may struggle to witness to our colleagues at work simply because they find it very difficult to see the love of God that we're talking about from the lifestyle that they can see us live. They see us lash out at others. They see us cheat like others. They see us fiddle, fiddle with the books like others. They see us do things like everybody else, and then we say we have a Jesus that they should have, and they're confused because they find it difficult to separate that life that they see us live from what we are actually saying. So we must make the effort to build a reputation. We must make the effort to build godly character. I want you to be excited in knowing fully well that God has given you the capacity to be a person of great reputation. So if we have poor reputations, our messages will be tainted, particularly those of us who stand up to minister in front of people. I always say to my wife, jokingly, I say, I can't afford to, to, to be rash to anyone in public or anywhere because I don't know whether they will be the next person that will be walking into church on a Sunday. Imagine myself having a feast with somebody on the street just yesterday, and then I come up here and I say, holy, 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 and then the person walks into church and says, is that the pastor? I'm going. <laughs> if that man is the pastor of this church, there's, there's no hope. <laughs> so we don't have a minute to be unholy. The temptation will be there to get into the flesh. But you have to remind yourself, the world is my oyster. No matter how far I travel, and I fly distances, thousands of miles away, I remind myself that even if no human being knows me in this place, I am still the person that is a representative of Christ in that place. We have to keep doing this as a matter of duty. So many will heed our words when our reputations actually stack up to what we are saying. However, having said this as something that is important of our reputation, we must understand that our reputations, these same reputations that we must maintain, that we must have, can get in the way of us fulfilling God's destiny for our lives. And this is where I want you to focus on this message today. We have to become of no reputation when it comes to us serving purpose in this kingdom. Because as good as maintaining that reputation can be, it can become a tool in the hand of the enemy to keep us from being the simple people, from being the people that can take on the things that come with our territory of claiming this earth for Jesus Christ. The Bible says concerning Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, which is our main text throughout this series, verse 5 to verse 8. Now, I'll enjoin you to read Philippians, the book of Philippians from chapter 1 and read it right through to chapter 2 to get a very good context of this place. We don't have that time now. But one thing about the Philippian church, which we should all know by now, is that it was a very dear church. The church at Philippi was a very dear church to Paul's heart. He was the church that he told that he will, God will supply their needs according to his riches in glory. Remember that? We quoted very well Philippians 4.19. It's the same one he told them that God would be their strength, that God will continue to strengthen them, that God will continue to see their labor of love, and so on and so forth. So, Philippian church were a very, very important church in the life of Paul. However, Paul found that there was a point where there were traces of haughtiness, traces of pride, traces of individualism, traces of high-headedness. And he began to tell them, you need to understand that the mind that should be in you should be the mind of Christ. 
This is what he was saying to them in verse 5. He said, let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, let's read that together. Verse 6 now. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. We understood what it means to be in the form of God last week and that we are also in that form. But I want you to shout verse 7 loud and clear for the emphasis of today. Let's go now. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. All of us know this and know that the death of the cross in his days was the worst kind of way of dying. It was given to condemn criminals, people who were like no hope, useless people as it were. So he humbled himself. But the truth is, go back to verse 7. The first thing he did after being in this form of God and did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That is to say he did not see himself as though he was God's equal now too big to become the one who will go and lay down his life for you and I. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He was the one with the highest reputation. He was the one who was favored the most. The Bible says when he was being baptized, the voice opened up from heaven for the first time and the last time ever physically. And he said, behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was none like him. But the Bible says he left all that and made himself of no reputation. And verse 5 says we should let that same mind be in us. The mind that was in him that made him of no reputation, you and I must also have it. So there are times when our reputations will be tarnished. There are times when our reputation will be attacked through no fault of ours or through a loophole in our lives. But we must understand that we have to find a way to make sure that no matter the gossip, no matter the slander, no matter the lies that is said about us, no matter the things that the enemy uses to cast a shadow over our godly reputations, we must be like Jesus to make ourselves of no reputation. You see, you can only attack something that exists. You understand what I mean? You can only attack something that exists. So if I've made myself of no reputation, despite the fact that I know by the grace of God, I maintain reputation for the sake of Christ, but for the sake of the gospel, I have also laid down that reputation. When you attack it, it means nothing to me. Am I making sense? I know it's a very convoluted statement, but that is the truth. You and I must understand that we have many things that are our reputations. For example, our being children of God automatically sets us apart. We are the favored of God. We are the loved, the beloved of God. And if we are not careful, that same love that God has for us, that same status that we have can now become a hindrance even in us doing the duties of the same God who called us. A lot of us have education and are well educated to the degrees that people can have, have letters behind our names that at times we select the ones we want to use. <laughs> So many letters that we select, you know, you have C, this, M, that, F, that, and all that behind your name. And at times they put it in two lines. So you choose the ones you want to use per time. 
You have to ensure that you make yourself of no reputation if you want to be useful in this kingdom. In those times also, people will look at you. If you are called of God, I've told you what my great mentor, Peter J. Daniel said. He said, if you are going to do anything for good or for God, you will be criticized. You will be attacked. You will be spoken of. My life has been on a stage ever since I was age four. And so speaking about me or not means nothing to me. I have learned from a very early age that for you to attain anything in life, it has to be focused. If you are a person who is easily irked by what people say about you or don't say about you, you can never achieve anything for yourself in this life, anything serious. If you are going to do anything tangible, if you are going to do anything of impact, if you are going to do anything of what people will talk about you, people will talk against you, people will hate you, people will love you. But it doesn't matter. It's good that they love you as many as possible, but you know what? It doesn't matter what they feel. A lot of people have stopped themselves from taking on the next steps of life because of what people will say or what people are saying or what people are thinking. That is the one that gets me. How do you know what people are thinking? And I've met people who say, but Pastor Dave, you know people think, what do you know people are thinking? (laughs) Who told you you know what people are thinking? You can never know what people are. Do you know what you are thinking? Don't your thoughts surprise you at times? You don't even know what you are thinking. Why are you worried about what somebody else is thinking? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Philippians 2, 7 again. The Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. This is my emphasis today. He made himself. Somebody say he made himself. Say by choice. He made himself of no reputation. Look at your neighbor and say by choice. You must make yourself of no reputation. He knows. He knows that he left the throne room of heaven to come to earth as a man. He made himself of no reputation. He knows that his exalted position as the king of glory, the one who by whose uh, uh, words, who was the word of God, by, by whom all things were framed and formed, would come to the same earth and become a lamb led to the slaughter to be killed by mortal men. He knows, but he made himself of no reputation. And Paul said, that is the mind you and I must have. We must understand that for us to be effective in this kingdom, we must be people. He knows that his rights to be worshipped, his rights to be adored and praised and exalted would all be waived in order to go to the cross. He knows that people will revile him and call him thief, call him names. He knew all that, but he made himself of no reputation so that he can carry this. Why am I making all this emphasis? If you are going to be an effective minister for God, and when I say minister, I'm not talking about pulpit ministry alone. If you are going to be a, a Christian that will make an impact, you must be willing to lay down everything. You must be willing that people will say things. At times you will hear things. I've heard things from people I love, people I was very close to, people I poured out my life to. I've heard things said about me by the same people that really hurt, really, really hurt, because I never expected it from them. But I carry on. I carry on because at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before my God and say, Lord, I stopped doing what you asked me to do because somebody said something and it was really, really painful. (laughs) Hallelujah. They called him names. They abused him. They spat on him because he made himself of no reputation. He could call legions of angels and they would have come one time, snipe everybody there in one sweep. But he stood there because of you and I. Who are you standing for today? The smallest, the smallest thing that looks like an insult, you're gone. The smallest thing that looks like an insult, you're weak. 
Many people have stopped being Christians today not because of anything serious. When you interview them, they say, I don't go to church again because somebody said my, 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 the color of my eyes were black. <laughs> I'm telling you, anything. People just come up with things. We must understand. Look at Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says in verse 59, Now when the chief priest, this is about Jesus Christ. He said, Now when the chief priest, the elders, and the council sought false testimony. Somebody said they sought false testimony. Listen, friends, if you are going to go far in this kingdom, people will look for false testimony. When your life is shining, when your life is showing a sign, in 2013, when this church was to start, and there were so many things said, and people, friends that I thought I had, said all kinds of things, and I was hearing it left, right, and center, and I, was, I called my wife one day, I said, darling, why is all this? Even this person said this, why is this person saying this? I said, I can't believe this. Why are people behaving like this? She said to me, you know what? And I never forgot that. And it, I still reminded her last week that it so changed things for me. She said to me, darling, people are never afraid of who you are right now. I said, because I said to her, I said, I'm just nobody. I'm just trying to do what God has called me to do. Why is the whole world seemingly against me, especially my friends? She said to me, darling, people are not, the devil is not afraid of who you are right now, but your potential. I said, wow. I said, I should write that somewhere and read it every day. <laughs> the devil is not so concerned about your marriage as to what it can be right now. That's what you don't understand. He's so scared of the potential that if it works well the way it ought to work, you will raise a generation of terrorists to his kingdom. So he is so threatened by it and he's doing everything he can to slander that marriage. Don't join him. He's doing everything he can to slander your testimony. Don't join him. The Bible says the chief priests, the people who should stand with Jesus and promote him, like John the Baptist, they took all the counsel and sought for testimony against Jesus so that they could put him to death. Verse 60, the Bible says, but they did what? They found none. Many times they will find nothing. I say in your life they will find nothing. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says the prince of this world comes, but he found nothing in me. About three, four years ago, uh, Dr. Dari and I had to travel to, to, to London to basically present a case to the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission. Somebody that we did a favor to by just allowing to come onto the program was just basically used by the devil and was looking for an occasion to, as if she was looking for an occasion to pull down this great work. And she said all kinds of things. And you know in this country, if you're a charity, there are certain things that must never be heard about you. First thing is, first thing, first thing is financial mismanagement. Never. Don't try it. That's why our books are always clear. Our books are always recorded. When anybody here needs to take 10 pounds to go and do something that will refund them, you know the first thing I say to you is sending an email or sending a memo and we will send you a credit memo to your account. So that any time, the auditors can always see that 10 pound went there. That temp Our accounting here takes only a few minutes to audit because everything is tracked from the beginning as it is collected today to the time when people put money into the account. It's tracked right through every expenditure because we don't want to fall foul and allow the devil to find a false testimony. The Bible says there were many false witnesses. They came forward, but they found none. But at last, two false witnesses now found something to say. Look at what they said. Look at, the, look at the next verse, verse 61. And they said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. They took his words 
twisted it and created confusion. Of course, we know he said that, but what temple was he talking about? His own body. He was talking about his death that would die in three, that he would die for three days and he would rise again. But of course, they made it to the political. They twisted it and put in the political limelight and say, oh, somebody wants to destroy our temple? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the devil's work. And you must understand this if you are going anywhere with this God. If you are going to be a Christian of sound testimonies, people will take your words. People will take your actions. People will take your children's actions. People will take your wife or your husband's actions and twist it on his head and say something. You have to be ready to make yourself of no reputation so that it doesn't bother you. Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to entrust his reputation to God. We must be willing to do so. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He said, he committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, let's read together. Verse 23 now. Who, when he was reviled. Let's read it again. Who, when he was reviled. Was he reviled? Was he reviled? Who, when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but did what committed himself to him who judges righteously that him there in the fourth line is talking about god the father this is what you must do if you make yourself of no reputation keep committing your reputation to god when they revile you don't revile in return when they suffer you, don't threaten. When they do those things to you, don't do anything back, but rather commit yourself to him who judges righteously. Every time I'm accused of something and I hear it, I say to the Lord, I say, Lord, behold what was said. Behold what I heard. And he says to me many times, son, keep going. And many times he also gives me the wisdom to know how to handle matters in the next time. And I have come to the place where I understand that this is a lifestyle that we must keep living. The word of God will keep coming to you to help you to understand that you can live wiser. You can prevent certain things from happening or being said. You can. But we need to understand that whether we have prevented them or not and they are said, you must know how to keep your focus. Apostle Paul also knew how to keep his focus right from the beginning of his ministry. We all know about his conversion in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says in verse 20, you know, Paul was, the Bible says in, he was breathing threats against the church. In Acts chapter 8 verse 1, we knew he was a threatening man. But in Acts chapter 9, Jesus met him on the way to Damascus and he got converted. We know his story very well. We have preached it and lived uh, and are learning from it every time in this place. But verse 20 says, the Bible says after he was released, after he had his encounter and he has been coached, he immediately preached Christ where? In the synagogues that he is the son of God. But look at verse 21. Let's read verse 21 together. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. They did not believe him. But look at verse 22. Let's shout that loud and clear because that is what you and I must do. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. He did not need to explain himself. 
He did not need to say, no, I'm the one. I'm, ah, no, I'm not that one that you know. I'm no, I'm no. He just continued to confound the Jews. He continued to preach with all boldness. You and I must understand that if we are not ready to lay down our reputations, we will always be succumbing to distractions. Distractions are part and parcel of life and ministry. The devil uses them. He has succeeded in using them to get many people off track. Don't let him catch you. Don't let him get you. He will come for you. He will keep coming. You overcome this one, he'll bring the next one. You overcome that one, he'll bring the next one. He will attack you at work. He will attack you in your family, your immediate family, your extended family. He will do anything. I'm sad to say he will attack you in your own church. Using your own brethren at times, unfortunately. You and I must learn that you must increase all the more in strength. You must know how to hold on to the Holy Spirit. You are wasting too much time trying to explain to people. I like something I read about Billy Graham many years ago. God bless his soul. That sage of a man who witnessed to millions in his lifetime, probably had the most significant influence in the gospel in the last 100 years as a single person. Great servant of God who recently went to be with the Lord, as we all know. Billy Graham said, they asked him, they said, but why don't you explain? Why don't you usually take time to explain when you are accused? He has been accused of many things for many years. In the, in the 40s, when people were still following ships, he came on a ship from U.S. to, to U.K., landed in Southampton, and they met him, and they said, you are a waster. You say you are an evangelist. You waste money. You, which kind of evangelist? Why don't you stay in USA and be preaching your message? You waste money and take two months to take ship to, to this place, spending so much gospel money. And, this and, and they were trying to slander him. He said, then they said to him, they said, after all, Jesus in his time rode, rode donkey. Why are you going on a ship? <laughs> you know what he said to them? He said, if you can find me a donkey that can go from New York to Southampton, <laughs> please give me that donkey. I need it right now. <laughs> He said, just give me that donkey. I need it right now. And they left him alone. You know, the devil will leave you when you know how to resist him. He left Jesus alone. He left Billy Graham alone. He will leave you alone. You just know how to, you just need to know how to resist him and he will leave you alone in the name of Jesus. But one of the things he said, when they said to him, why, why don't you, when they criticize you on TV and everywhere, they always say you do fake miracles or fake healings or anything. Why don't you try to explain to people? He said, I don't waste my time explaining. He said, because my friends don't need my explanation. And my enemies will never believe my explanation. <laughs> so I don't bother to explain. It is true. Why do you need to take time every time and say, oh, this is it, what happened? Next tomorrow, you say, this is it. Oh, no, 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 you, you are wasting time. You are wasting time. If you need to correct anything, by all means, correct it. But move on. Keep learning that this kingdom is a kingdom where you have to keep increasing. Keep moving on. Keep going and confounding those Jews and those ones that are trying to stop the spread of the gospel, particularly the work of the ministry that God has put in your hands. Let us learn from the life of Jesus and the life of Apostle Paul and the so many who kept tenaciously looking onto their prize of higher calling. We must not allow those things. When Jesus started ministry, they said, Are you, is this not Joseph's son, the carpenter? He continued his ministry. Many times if they say things like that to you, is this not you? We know that you used to drink and, and everybody know you or they call you killer. You used to slaughter all the girls around you. They called your name killer. Killer, you too, you are preaching. <laughs> killer is now an evangelist. <laughs> 
Kila is born again. Kila is saved. He is holy. He is sanctimonious. And people are trying to still call him the old killer. No, the old killer is dead. <laughs> Somebody said the old killer has been killed. Yes. But you see, some people, some, some people will say it's true, it was me. And they will, they will stop their ministry from that point. No, the Bible says, Paul said, no. They said, this is the guy that used to arrest Jews. Don't, don't believe him. This is another trick. But he continued. May you continue. I say, may you continue. But you know, that means you make yourself of no reputation. Because your ego will be bruised. Many people are suffering today because they can't deal with their egos. Husband and wives, employers, employees. People cannot, some people cannot rise beyond the level they are today because they cannot deal with their egos. They would have been promoted many times, but every time the board who promotes or the people who promote, remember their ego. They will say, keep them where they are. Because if we give this one more power, there will be a problem. <laughs> I'm telling you. I am telling you what I have seen, live and direct. Not put in the same crude words that I used, but I've seen it clearly. They just use for, they just look for words. And you know English language is so powerful. You can pick words and just join them together and make sense that look like sense, but it's nonsense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You are saying something completely different, but when somebody hears it with the ordinary ears, it looks like sense. But you have just talked nonsense <laughs> because we all know what you are talking about i won't say more than that <laughs> that is the power of english language for you which the churches did not have any power he only used english language to confuse germany <laughs> english language english language he kept on saying we'll fight in the air we'll do territory we'll go to the trenches hitler said that, that those people are too strong for us <laughs> hallelujah you must understand that you need to deal with ego. Men, deal with your ego. Your wife, say my wife, married man. If you are not married, don't say anything. Because if you say my wife, I don't know who you are calling. <laughs> I'm going to call somebody else now. <laughs> say my wife, you are my helper. You will help me. And I will succeed. As God helps you to help me but for you to let her help you you need to deal with your ego but ladies that simply means there's a big responsibility on us you are sent to that man to help him please help him help him succeed help him love god help him fear god help him want to honor god help him in his dreams but men listen to that lady when she's telling you what God has laid on our heart to tell you. Our egos at times make us say, no, no, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> at times that could be very dangerous. My wife and I see things very differently, but I'm so grateful to God. It is a big gift to me. Me, the moment you say, Jesus, brother, I'm gone. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with you. I don't look at anything again. <laughs> Just approach me and say, brother, Jesus, I... I'm weak. <laughs> All my bowls have been removed. I don't know anything again. My wife would always say, that's good, but just watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. She would say, just watch. And it's a complimentary gift to me. If not, I would have been in many troubles. God is my witness. The very lady I told you that I said was almost going to pull this church down in 2015, I think it was, or 2016, 2015. The day she walked, she walked on this aisle the day she walked into the church, 
She didn't know any, my wife didn't know anything about the planning, the process, and who was coming and who not. But I told, we all knew that they were coming for the service that day. The lady came into the church like this. She said to me, who is that lady? I said, oh, it's one of our new fellows. She's from this country and blah, blah, blah. I said, fine. She said, "Mm, be careful. Honestly, she didn't say more than that. God is my witness. She said, "Mm, be careful. Now, somebody can look at that. If I am carnal, I will say you are, you, are, you are carnal. Your mind is very bad. This is somebody God has helped to come. No, no, no. But I took those words and I kept it. And true to it, three months, two months later, everything played out. There are times we must understand that if we let our egos stay in the way of what God wants to do in our lives, we will rob ourselves and short, cut, cut, cut ourselves short. We must be people who make ourselves of no reputation. Let us learn from Moses and build our reputations correctly in God's timing. Moses was a great man as we know. 40 years, Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. 40 years of being in Egypt, he became a great man. The Bible says now it came to pass in those days that Moses was grown. He was 40 years old. Moses was grown physically. Moses was grown intellectually. But Moses was a baby spiritually. We must understand, God had to take him to another school of spiritual lessons for 40 years before bringing him back to do the right thing. But when he was grown physically, this is my emphasis, or my paraphrase rather, grown physically, grown intellectually, grown uh, in the arts and the ways of Egypt, he was grown in those things. But the Bible says he went out and looked at his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And we know the next thing he did, verse 12. He looked this way and he looked that way. And when he saw no one, he saw no one but somebody was seeing him. (laughs) He saw no one but somebody was seeing him. When he saw no one, he did what? He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Somebody say immaturity. Let us learn from this. Many of these kind of verses, we don't usually read them. We gloss over them because we know the story. But it is for a lesson for us. We must understand that at times our actions of immaturity can cost us a lot. We must know how to grow with God. The Bible says he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sun. Then verse 13. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were now fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? And verse 15. Uh, the Bible says, verse 14, sorry. Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Somebody say somebody was watching. Even though Moses didn't know, somebody was watching. The Bible says, do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. We must understand when Pharaoh heard of the matter, he sought to kill Moses, and then Moses had to flee. Why do we, what do we need to learn from Moses' life? Moses' life teaches us that we must lay down our egos. We must make ourselves of no reputation. Moses began to assume the position of leadership before God's time. He began to assume the position of the leadership of God's people in his own way before God's time. And that is why he had to flee to Midian and spend another 40 years to learn how to wait on God. When God saw that he was at the back of the bush, the worst place you can imagine, 
And he was now a very humble man, only dealing with goats and sheep every day. <laughs> For 40 years, God now said, this one has learned lesson. This Moses that fled, if he was given 3 million Jews to cross the Red Sea, he would have buried all of them in the Red Sea. <laughs> he was so immature, so impatient. You know what he would have done? One day I was just imagining it. He would have used the rod at one end and make sure he gets there first. As soon as he gets there, he will remove the rod and say the thing should close. <laughs> because he was very, very impatient. But God had dealt with him. Despite the fact that God had dealt with him, we still saw the elements of anger manifest. But God knows that there is a time for everything. Just keep making yourself of no reputation. And God will exalt you in due time. I say will exalt you in due time. Keep doing the right things. People will, will, will attack you when you are doing the right things. I've told you many times, you are doing the right thing at work. You are trying to do a little bit extra. You are trying to just show that you are committed to the work. People will come and tell you, who that's not your business or whatever. And they will try to slander you. You keep doing the right thing as unto the Lord. Finally, before I close today, we must not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Many of us are allowing our reputation to debar us. We can't go on the streets to preach to people because we have PhD. Somebody say PhD. PhD. That PhD has caused many people many problems. A PhD is just another degree that proves that you can read and write. <laughs> so don't let it get to your head. It just proves that you can read and write. Maybe a little bit more than certain people, but nothing more than that. Before you harass the whole world with your PhD or your DSC. Don't you know my name is David Oloke, DSC, PhD. You are wasting your... You, it just shows that you can read and write. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to know how to not allow those things to stop us. People will insult you on your rights. People will insult you on the things that God has given you legitimately. Don't let that be a hindrance. Don't let that stop you. Let us use every opportunity we have to lay down all we have and just serve God. Hallelujah. You must be willing to put your life out for the world to see your Jesus. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. If you are afraid to write Jesus is Lord on the pages of your Facebook, on your homepage, in your Instagram, your, your, your faith is suspect. You need to ask yourself, why am I afraid? And I'm not saying this to try to condemn you because we are at levels. Are you afraid of human beings? Are you afraid of people? Don't be afraid of anyone. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I also will not present you before the Father. One of the things that allow God to, Jesus to present you before God all the time is because you are always presenting him to men. Take advantage of it. Now, I know that we are living in a society where things can be very confusing and there is political correctness and blah, 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 and those kind of things. But you know something? We need to grow. We need to grow and be mature. I belong to a lot of WhatsApp groups in my former, up to secondary school, almost 40 years ago. And I see people still fighting. They are not physically together. They are still fighting the way they used to fight 40 years ago. I say, what a world. We left secondary school 1984. Some of the children here were not, even their parents were just being born. <laughs> 
And these people, I'm telling you, I can show you the trends. They are still fighting. We are still settling fights. Say, ah, guys, enough. <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> what is it? Egos. Egos. You said that to me. The man is in Australia. You are in Lagos. You said that to me. You, are, you just enjoy life, guys. Enjoy life. <laughs> we need to grow. We need to grow. I was saying at a study group last Thursday that the, the, the skin of the people of today is gradually thinning out and thinning out and thinning out. So much so that we don't have capacity to take anything again. We can't freely discuss our religious affiliations anymore. Somebody will be offended. Why are you offended that I say I love Jesus? If you love Muhammad, love your Muhammad now. What is the stress there? I love Jesus. If you want to love him with me, let's go on. If you don't want to love him, that's fine. I respect you for the Muhammad or Buddha you love. Is it not a simple thing? There's nothing there. Jesus did not send us to go and convert people by force. He said to us, go and show them my love. If he wants to convert people by force, he doesn't need you and I. If he said, be fruitful, and we began to be fruitful, all he needs to say is, all of you, be born again. And then we will all be born again. <laughs> then we will all be born again. So he doesn't need you and I. So don't, don't force anybody. Just love people. Just present yourself people. This is such a very important thing for our generation. Where we read in 1 Corinthians 4, we will not read it because of time. Verse 10 says, we are fools for Christ's sake. I chose to be a fool. I chose to be called a fool because I love Jesus. I choose to stand on the streets of this city and anywhere God puts me and shout the name of Jesus and people look at me and call me foolish and call me religious freak or whatever for the love of my Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it.